Well, hi, sure. <laughs> Good morning, Journey Church. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you out there and the watching from home. Lord God, we just come before you and we ask that you would show up in a mighty way today, Lord. We pray that you would touch each of our hearts, Lord. Guide us and direct us in the way you would have us go. Uh, sure a lot of you heard that uh, Pastor Rob had COVID this last week. So I'm lead worship. Rob's doing real well. He just tested uh, negative today. And then uh, Mickey Hall's bringing the word today. So you got the A-team today. So <laughs> All right. Lord, your grace is amazing. the power of sin and darkness. His love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder. Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, look, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. This is amazing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done. Let's bring it down. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bend my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. This is amazing. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me Oh, Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me, oh Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Yes, Lord. Be the glory, not to us. 
shouting, it's all for you. The waves are crashing, the sun is raging, it's all for you. The universe is spinning and singing, it's all for you. Your children are dancing and dancing and dancing, it's all for you. 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 Bring it down. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Not to us, but to your name. Lord of heaven 
Giving you my heart and all that is within, I lay it all down for the sake of you, my King. I'm giving you my dream. I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride for the promise of new life. And I.
Control of this service, Lord, to touch our hearts and our lives, Lord. I lift up Mickey that he would hear your voice and hear where he, he would take the words that you would have him share with us today. Don't let us leave here unchanged, Lord. Let us worship you and apply all the words, all the teachings we hear. 
each and every day. Amen. Just... <laughs> to get a little crazy back there. (laughs) I just wanted to personally say thank you to all the men here at the church that have played, even if it's just a small role in bringing wisdom and joy and as a fatherly figure in my life because I lost my dad when I was 19 and he was amazing and I'm so thankful for my heavenly father and I'm thankful for the fathers here that have poured into my life. So thank you. Um, So with that, just as a reminder, we have duct tape and donuts for dads in the back. And I think there's plenty of donuts, even if everybody else wants one. So please take some. Otherwise, I have to give them all to the youth group kids Tuesday. And that's scary because sugar and kids, no. (laughs) Um, But yes, so please, please take advantage. And we're so thankful for all you fathers. So. The only announcement that it, yeah, David, I like that. Let's give him a round of a hand or a round of applause. <laughs> um, the only announcement I have is we are um, still actually looking for someone that would be willing to take over the first Sunday in setting up snack. Um, unfortunately, uh, the person that was able to do it, their work schedule changed, and so they can't do it. Um, so it's super easy. We don't have the crazy coffee pot thing like where you had to pour in like one water and then like another water and wait for it not to overflow. It's totally like push a button and all goes well. So if anybody or if you know of anybody that would be willing to set up, all you have to do is set it up on the first Monday or first Sunday of of each (laughs) month. That would be awesome. Please come connect with me and that would be great. So I think that's the only announcements, actually, that I have for us. So we're just going to move into a time of receiving our tithes and our offerings. And I was thinking, you know, the reason we give, or one of the reasons that we give, is to sow into the ministries that we have here at the Journey Church. We want to make sure that those ministries are able to grow and that we can reach the world with who Jesus is. And I was just thinking, you know, as a church body, I would love to see us just grow in general that these seats would be filled, that we would really be reaching this community with who Jesus is. And so I want to challenge you guys, each and every one of us, if we're connected with somebody in the community, um, friend, family, neighbor, whoever it is, to invite them to church. And I know that can be a little scary, kind of stepping out of your comfort zone. But you guys, we need to tell the world of who Jesus is. There's a lot of crazy, scary stuff going on. And we want to see this church body grow to where maybe we even have to have two services or, a f- or like a service one night during the week, right? Like we want these seats packed out because God needs to, to be known. And we want to glorify him in every way possible, whether that's through our tithes and growing in our ministries or here in this church body. Amen? All right. So let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings now. Father, you are our ultimate father, and we thank you so much, God, for just the many blessings that you give us, God, that you lavish your love upon us, that it is unconditional. 
Lord, I pray for each person in this room, God, as we're talking about tithes and offerings, Lord, that we would be challenged and encouraged to reach out to those that need to know you. Maybe there's people that just haven't come back to church for whatever reason, God, and they needed just that little extra oomph and encouragement to go. God, I pray that we would be sensitive to your spirit and the calling that you have on us to speak to those that need to know you or that need to be encouraged. God, help us to have those ears and those hearts to hear from you. Lord, I pray for each ministry within this church body, God, whether it's with the the younger kids or the babies or the youth ministry or um, older adults, Lord, or the Bible studies that we have going on, all the different ways that we're able to touch and impact people for you, God, I pray that those ministries would begin to flourish even more so than they already do. God, we love you and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Um, Susan and I were one time at a church service, and the pastor was up preaching. And about 10, it was a Father's Day message, and about 10 minutes into it, he just stopped and he said, You guys are not relating to this. And he said, How many of you guys had a good relationship with your dad? Um, stand up and only about half the people stood up and the other half were left seated and so uh, one thing that I'm aware of after watching that and after having taught for 37 years not everybody has a great dad like I have a great dad my dad is here Um, almost everything that I learned to do that is useful I learned to do because he taught me Um, and so not everybody had that. And I knew growing, growing up, watching some of my other friends, that they didn't all have that. And so there's um, a verse in the Bible that says that God wants to be the father to the fatherless. And um, when I, the last year I was coaching at Big Bear High School, we had an awesome team, and we had... Uh, seven guys who uh, run and score. Uh, we had about 40 guys on our team, but only seven run. And out of that seven, s- six of them had great dads. And only one uh, didn't. And uh, that kid was a great kid, but he really had to work at it to be a great kid. The other six kids didn't seem to have to work at it as hard because they had this great, they had great dads, all of them. And so um, when our son Ryan was at Stanford, they, had, they did this thing called crossing the line, where they took all the kids in the dorm and they would ask them a question. How many of you guys come from two-parent fam, uh, two families? And Ryan had about 80 people in his dorm, and they said, how many of you kids here have two-parent families? And Ryan said, about 78 kids crossed over the line. And there was only like two kids that didn't have two-parent kids. I mean, uh, two-parent families. And so one of the things that, when he said that, one of the things that stuck with me is 
that's what it takes to get into Stanford. If you have two-parent fam uh, family, you're, you have a much better chance of getting in there. It doesn't mean you can't get in if you don't, but it means you're going to have to work a lot harder. So that concept of father, Father's Day is so important. You think about it, right now in the United States, only about 47% of the kids have two parents in their home. And, and when I was growing up, that was not the case at all. And so uh, we're going to take a minute and pray for fathers because a lot of the fathers have forgotten that they're fathers. A lot of you fathers here, you're here because you relate to the Heavenly Father and you guys have been really good dads, most likely. Uh, but a lot of the dads out there are lost and they don't know how to be a good dad because they don't understand who the Heavenly Father is. And so let's just take a minute and pray for all of those dads in our country, in our world, who are not being dads. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will move on them and change their hearts. Okay, let's just take a minute to do that. Lord, we lift up all the dads in this world. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would convict them. And your Holy Spirit would encourage them and strengthen them and empower them to be good dads. And we just pray that you would move in men's hearts and um, just uh, give them a desire to love their children. In your name we pray, amen. You guys know that um, in, in the Gospels, the word beloved is used nine times or eight times. Um, but it's used in just two, basically in two different situations where God says, beloved. Do you know those two situations? Now, we have some pastor's kids sitting over here, and they should know these answers. And Zach, I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> okay, Zach, so why don't you tell us one of those two times when... God said, this is me, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Great. Perfect, Zach. Perfect. You just showed your, you have a great dad. Okay, Maddie, it's your turn. When was the other time? <laughs> okay. It's okay. Um, Maddie, we know you have a great dad. <laughs> uh, who knows when that other time was? Anybody? See, don't feel bad, Maddie. Nobody else knows. <laughs> yeah, Suze. <laughs> yeah, it's at the Transfiguration, where uh, Jesus is with his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And then also Elijah and Moses come. And God speaks, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so let's talk about that word beloved. I'm going to put, if I know your name, you're in trouble because I'm probably going to ask you a question. So Mark, you're next up. Um, <laughs> so Mark, what in scripture do you think the word beloved means? 
Yeah. Good, Mark. That's really, really close. It means dearly loved. Dearly loved. And so, Jesus was dearly loved by the Father. Now, guys, there is 20 times in the New Testament when we are told that we are dearly loved. Now, in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and, and Jude, which is, are all right next to each other, 20 times it said that us, the believers, are dearly loved. That we are the beloved. And so, John Eldridge in his book, Fathered by God, uh, our men's group studied this book. Uh, it has a workbook that goes with it. And in it, it talks about this concept. Unless you understand as a Christian that you are the beloved, you will never be fully able to express all that God has for you. Uh, that's what he said. And when he said that, I was thinking to myself, oh, I don't know about that. And so, but as our men's group got together and talked about what it meant to be the beloved, it means that you understand that you are the one that God loves, and he loves you dearly. Put up your hand if you're sure that you're the beloved. Good. I'm glad that all, all of you guys know that. Because we should know that as believers, shouldn't we? That we are the beloved. So I'm going to give you guys some verses. And by the way, what I'm going to try to go through today is going to be a lot. Um, because this is Father's Day and Rob wanted me to be teaching something to do with the Holy Spirit because we're talking about Pentecost. So what I'm going to try to cover is the beloved, um, the function of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the fruits of the Spirit. And so I'm going to be moving along. And so in my Bible, I marked it with about all these uh, stickies in here so I don't get lost. So I hope I don't lose you. Um, but we're going to, uh, because if I, and I won't put anybody on the spot to ask you this, but do you guys recognize the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Do you, let me ask you guys, put up your hand if you are the most comfortable when you pray, praying to the Holy Spirit. Okay, put up your hand if you are most comfortable when you pray, praying to Jesus. Okay, put up your hand if you're most comfortable praying to God. Okay, well, so let me tell you what happened. It was a mixture between praying to God and to Jesus. And we only had one weirdo, Scott, who put up his hand saying praying to the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> and good for you, Scott, because... That is a good thing. That's a really good thing. Uh, because you think about this. Uh, turning your Bibles uh, to, we're going to go all over the place. Um, and so the very first thing I want you to learn is the function of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about the function of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So this is in John 14, and it's in verses 16 and 17. And it says this. And I will ask the Father, 
and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So Jesus is leaving. He's going to be crucified. And he says to his disciples, I'm going to live with, leave you a what? What did he leave them? A helper. Okay, so he leaves them a helper. How many of you men have ever said this to yourself? Have you ever said, I wish I had a helper? <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us sometimes feel like, don't we, that we're in this world by ourselves. And it's up to you, and if you don't get it done, it doesn't get done. Well, in fact, when Jesus left us, he said this about the Holy Spirit. This is a helper that I'm leaving you. And I'm leaving you this helper. So why did he leave us the helper? Why didn't he leave us himself? Or was it the same? Is the helper the same as Jesus? Okay, I see, Joe, you're shaking your head no. How is the helper different than Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, and so, yes, Charmaine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Charmaine, it is definitely like this. You guys pretty much were split over praying to Jesus and praying to God. And, and that's normal. That's pretty typical of the church. But Jesus didn't say when he was leaving, I'm leaving you myself. He didn't say that. He said, I'm leaving you the helper. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. And, and so part of that is because Jesus, when he was with us in flesh, he could only be one place at one time. Holy Spirit has the ability to be with each one of you and comfort you or help you or serve in any other functions that the Holy Spirit has all at once. And so we know this about um, the Godhead, right? That you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And it would be like having H2O. You have water, right? You have H2O. But you also have water in the form of liquid. And you have um, ice in the form of a solid. And then you have steam that's more like a gas, right? So there are three different forms, but they are all H2O. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is of God. Jesus is of God. And our Heavenly Father is God. And so 
for us, we need to know, here's the important thing, we need to know the function of them. Do you guys get that? Because their function is not the same. And so part of the problem at the moment with the church is this, is that we don't really understand the function of the Holy Spirit. And here's the other part. We don't know how to access the Holy Spirit. And because of that, the church is not as powerful as it could be. We could be much more powerful if we knew how to access the Holy Spirit. Do you guys believe that? Okay. Um, I, I want you to think about this. When um, Mary got, uh, was pregnant, do you remember what it said? What An angel came to her and said what was going to happen to her. What did the angel tell Mary was going to happen? Yeah, good, Lance. The Holy Spirit was going to come on her, listen to this, come on her with power. Why was she going to need that power? Because there were going to be all kinds of people saying she's pregnant, she's not married yet. What you know, we should stone her, we should kill her. There were going to be all those people saying those kinds of things, and she was going to be able to need to live with power. How about us? Do we need God's power? God's power is accessed through the Holy Spirit, right? And so, some of us live a life I know, so this is similar. I'll tell you how. A lot of us live because I live like this. So um, I have to have hip replacement. So I went down to a class with my wife and they're going to tell me I got to go to a class because they're going to replace my hip. And I'm like, it seems like they should have to go to the class because I'm not replacing my hip. And why should I have to go to this class? So I wasn't very happy about having to go to the class. And I'm thinking, at least they could just zoom it and I could watch it up here, you know. Why do I got to go to Pomona to go to this class? So I didn't have the greatest attitude going into it, right? And so uh, my, my wife says, hey, I'll go with you. And I'm like, well, that makes it better. Um, so we go down and we're in the class. And I see that this one lady comes in late about 20 minutes late. Now, you got to understand, I'm, I'm like you. Sometimes I make decisions to walk with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes I make decisions to walk with myself. And at this moment, I was having a pretty crappy attitude. And so we go into this class, and this lady comes in 20 minutes late, and I see she doesn't, you have to sign in. If you don't sign in, it doesn't count. And then all the seats look like they're taken. I know she's going to need. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart. Saying, get up and go help that lady. And I'm having an argument with the Holy Spirit saying, that dumb lady came in late. It's her fault, you know. Why should I go help her? And, and so she walks in. And she's looking for a chair. And this other young guy who's there as a helper with an old, older uh, woman, he gets up and he go gets her a chair. 
And then I can tell he's saying to her, hey, you need to go in and sign in, and, and he helps her. So what God had intended me to be doing, he was saying, well, you weren't in the right frame of mind. I think I'll use somebody else, which is what he did. And so here's often what happens to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and we're going, we're getting in our bad mood. You know, we're not wanting to hear him. We're not being listening to the Holy Spirit speak to us. Have you ever done that? I bet you haven't. <laughs> um, and so for us, uh, there is part of that is that I wasn't really focused on the, what the function of the Holy Spirit was. Here's part of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit speaks to you, and he, here's what he does. He guides you. Now, the question is, do you listen when he guides? And my answer to that is not always, because sometimes I'm too busy pouting about not getting my way. Okay, so that's, that's one. So in here, when we look at John 14, verses 16 through 17, I'm going to read it to you, and it says, And I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you. Here's the truth of it. When you invited Jesus Christ into your life, you fully got all of the Holy Spirit. Right? You got all of him. You didn't get part of him. And when he, you got all of him, he gave you all of this. So he gave you a helper. So um, part of it is this. How come sometimes if he gave us a helper, how come we feel like we're on our own? Yeah, and so good. That's true. Gary, part of it is we have to invite him in with us. If I had said this when I walked into that classroom, Holy Spirit, I invite you to go with me. Come with me and be with me as I go through this class. When I saw that lady, I would have got up and moved. But I really didn't invite the Holy Spirit into that with me because I was too busy complaining about not wanting to be there. Right? And so here's, here's part of it. We need to recognize here's two of the functions of the Holy Spirit. He's a helper. And notice the other thing it says here. He reveals the truth to you. Um, God's Holy Spirit reveals the truth. Do you think the truth is easy to decide if this is true or not? Do you think that's an easy thing, knowing what the truth is? Because I could ask you a question like this. Is the truth that you should vote for Donald Trump or you should vote for Joe Biden? What is the truth in that? Well, it's a good way to start a fight with your family, right? Um, because is, is there truth in who you should vote for? Or not? Or is that a decision that we make and we decide. 
So here's, here's part of it is some things, I used to tell my class stories, and they really loved it when I did it. I would tell them stories, and one of the stories that I would tell them was a lie. And I would say, you got to tell me which one is a lie, right? And I can tell you guys, I'm going to tell you guys uh, three stories right now, and I want you guys, you're going to vote on which one is the truth and which one isn't, okay? So I used to teach my class about um, things that happened on earth, some of the tragedies that happened on earth. And so um, I'm going to start with three little stories. The very first story is um, the largest wave to ever hit land in the, in, in the world was, seven, was over 1,700 feet tall. And it hit in Lithua Bay. Okay, that's one story. The next story I'm going to tell you is an, another story about this house, um, this lot. It's actually a lot um, that this church wanted to buy up on this hill. And they offered this guy um, uh, three times a large amount of money to buy that lot, and he turned it down every time. And this town, the reason they wanted to buy that lot up on that hill is because the town always flooded off, and it was by a big river. And they wanted to build the church up on the hill. And so um, the, the, their church was down on, on the flat, and it got washed off its foundation, and it got washed up a hill, and got distributed on that guy's lot. And then that guy gave them that lot because their church got washed uphill and, just, and put on a lot. Okay, that's the second story. Okay, the third story is um, there are guys who surf in um, Portugal and they surf on waves that they get towed into and the largest wave ever anybody was towed into was 156 feet. Okay. One of those is a lie, and, one of, and the other two are true. Okay. Who, who believes the story uh, that the people in Portugal, the surfers in Portugal, um, ride waves that are 156 feet high? Who believes that? Okay. Um, who believes that the house got, the church got floated down the main street and floated up a hill and distributed itself on a lot and a man bought it? Okay. Um, okay. How many people believe that the largest wave to ever hit land? Okay, uh, the true stories were the house floated down the street and floated up the hill, and you can read in Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. Okay, and then the other one that's true is that the largest waves ever hit in the U.S. or anywhere on land was in Lithua Bay. It was over 1,700 feet high. The largest wave ever surfed and Portugal is 98 feet high. Oh. 
So is the truth easy to distinguish? No. And how many times as, as people have we thought someone was telling us the truth and then later we found out they weren't? Have we ever been duped like that? Yeah, everybody's nodding yes to that. Okay, so here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the one that can help you discern the truth. Is that useful to you? How do you activate that? Bobby, how do you know, how do you activate the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit helps you discern something's true or not? When you surrender and work and you can let, the, let your mind just say the worst scenario is the best scenario and then you're quiet before the Spirit. <coughs> okay, so that's a good way to do it, Bobby. Um, she's she's saying, saying you try to take your opinion out of it. Is that an easy thing to do? No, that's really hard. That's really hard. Um, like if you're dating and you start dating someone and they seem like they're a great person and you think that this is the person that God has for you. And now your emotions are involved with that. Do you think it's easy to go... God, I'm going to take my emotions and put them over here, and I'm not going to let my emotions be involved with that. Is that an easy thing to do? No. So once our emotions are involved, that's pretty tough to do. And so here's another way to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You need to have some people who love the Lord, who you're in community with, who you bounce things off of. And you are willing to say to them, let me tell you about this. And I want you to tell me, I want you to go back and pray about it and talk to the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to come back and give me advice. Now, that can save you losing lots of money and, ha and, and, and avoiding lots of heartache. But here's the first thing that has to happen there. You need to be connected to other, I believe, other brothers and sisters in the Lord who you are very close to, who you trust, and you know they're not just going to give you what you want, but they care about speaking the truth to you. How, and, and I don't need you to put up your hand, but I don't think there's a lot of believers who have other believers who are in their life that they let speak into their life truth. Um, and so that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit uses other believers to help speak truth into your life because sometimes you're too close to it and you're, you already have made up your mind. You know what I mean? You've already decided, oh, I love this person. This is the one that God has for me. Well, you might want to check that out with some believers who know you and know that person, right? And I know sometimes we wish our kids would do that. Um, but we need to learn to do that as well. So now we're going to go to the next function of the Holy Spirit. Um, if I can find it. I put so much. 
so many markers in my Bible. There it is. Okay, so the next one, turn your Bible to Hebrews 9.14. And this is what it says. If you don't have your Bible, you can just listen. It says this. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So in there, in that verse, do you see what the Holy Spirit does in there? In that verse, what is the Holy Spirit doing? Yeah, say that louder. Yeah, cleansing your conscience. <laughs> no, you were, you were right on here. So, so the Holy Spirit is cleansing our conscience. How does the Holy Spirit do that? It does it like this. You, might, you may have done something that you say to yourself, I wish I hadn't done that. And you know that it wasn't what the Lord had for you, but you did it anyway. We've all done that. Only one has not. And so the Holy Spirit, you go to the Holy Spirit, and what do we do? We ask for forgiveness, right? And so a lot, we know the Holy Spirit forgives us. But here's oftentimes what doesn't happen. You feel guilty about what you did long after God has forgiven you. Huh. And so what happens when you feel guilty? Do you know what happens when we're feel, feeling guilty about something that we've done? We tend to distance ourselves from God. We tend to pull away from him. And so what we need to do is invite the Holy Spirit in and say, Holy Spirit, I know God's forgiven me, but I can't seem to forgive myself. Will you help me forgive myself? And the Holy Spirit has the ability to, it says, cleanse your conscience. Take that away. It's gone. Have you experienced that? I think we have. Where we have done something and, and we felt like, oh, you know. So here's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has the power to cleanse us from our sin. And take the memory away. Now turn your Bible to Luke 4.18. This is what Luke, I got to pick it up or I'm not going to finish. Um, Luke 4.18. This is what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden. Notice the very first part of that. The Spirit of the Lord has, is giving these gifts. So what is the function here of the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is setting the captives free. Do we know anybody who needs to be set free? What do people need to be set free from? Sin, right? Unbelief. From uh, not trusting that Jesus is their Savior. But notice what um, this allows them to do. It says to set free those who are downtrodden. 
to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So here's what this thing is saying, the function of the Holy Spirit is. It's giving us the ability to preach the gospel and to do miracles, to set people free. Um, that's pretty powerful. But we have to have the Holy Spirit in us to do it. And here's oftentimes what I've found in myself. I've wanted to do those things. Um, I've wanted to pray over people. In, in our men's group on Thursday, we had a, a brother that really needed prayer. And so we all laid hands on him and prayed for him. And our prayer was really that the Holy Spirit would set him free from what he was dealing with. And so we, re we recognize this. We have no power in and of ourselves. But the power comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we invite that Holy Spirit in. Uh, open your Bibles to Zechariah 12.10. Um, the Old Testament is also full of things having to do with the Holy Spirit, which is pretty surprising. You think the Holy Spirit, how could the Holy Spirit be in the Old Testament? Jesus hadn't come yet. And he hadn't said to them, I'm leaving with you a helper. Yeah, actually in Genesis 1. It, yeah, it, it talks about the Spirit being there at the beginning. So the Spirit wasn't new. The Spirit was on the earth from the beginning. And so you're right, Kate. So the Holy Spirit was there with them from the beginning. So in Zechariah, which is the second last chap, uh, book in the Old Testament, in 12.10 it says this, And I will pour out, on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for only a son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. So obviously, um, this is a word to the Jews that they will be weeping over Jesus. Now, we know this. The book of Revelation says that there's going to be 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel during the end times. Well, what do you think is going to have to happen to the Jews for that to happen? This is what's going to have to happen. They're going to realize that Jesus was the way, was the Messiah, and when they realize that, what do you think their first response of the Jewish people will be? It will be to grieve, won't it? Because they will be saying, we missed him. He came and we missed him. So notice what God's spirit is going to pour out on them. Grace. Grace. So what is grace? Undeserved favor, right? So have, have you ever needed undeserved favor from God? Did he pour it out on you? Yeah. And that's the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit's work is to give, not only pour out grace on us, but to give us the ability to extend grace to other people. Now, 
Let me ask you a hard question, and I don't expect an answer. How good are you at extending grace to other people? That lady walked in late, and I was saying, well, she's 20 minutes late. Well, I have a habit of being late, so I should have some grace, right? But because I didn't invite the Holy Spirit in with me, I did not extend that grace to her. So for us, here's, here's part of what we need to do. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and give us the opportunity to extend grace to other people. Now, grace is like this. I'm in a, the truck with one of my best friends, and we're driving along, and I'm not being very kind towards Joe Biden. And then he says to me, I voted for Joe Biden. And he says, he's a neat Christian friend. He's one of my best friends. And he says, I voted for Joe Biden. But I still love you, brother. And maybe we ought not to talk about politics. So what he did towards me was he extended grace towards me. Right? Uh, he said, I don't really agree with who you voted for. Um, and he said, I, I love you even though we don't agree. Extended grace. And so that's what the Holy Spirit also allows us to do. Expend, extend grace to one another. So that's another function of the Holy Spirit. And, but there's a really important one that's coming up. Look in your Bibles in Psalm 51. And this is uh, verses 11 and 12. And it says this. Do not cast me away from thy presence and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. So this is a psalm of David, right? Now, why is David calling out to God? Notice he says David is saying to God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Right. And why does David think God might take his Holy Spirit from him? David did some things that weren't too cool, didn't he? I mean, he um, him and Bathsheba got together when they shouldn't have been. And um, then he basically killed Uriah. And so David was crying out to God. And what, what is he crying to God for? He says, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Notice what he says here. Restore my, the joy of my salvation. So here's one function of the Holy Spirit that's really important. Uh, all of them are. The Holy Spirit restores joy. When you have lost your, your joy, the Holy Spirit is the one who can restore it. And we know that that's true because we have people sitting here among us who have experienced that. Huh, Joe? Joe has gone through incredible loss. Lost his son, his wife, his mom, his dog, and it, the list goes on and on. But, Joe, has the Lord restored, has the Holy Spirit restored your joy? If you guys didn't know Joe before, I knew Joe 
before all that happened because his son was in my class. And Joe and Linda would come to the beach. I would take my kids surfing once uh, a year because I thought it was great for kids who are in uh, special ed to learn to surf and to play at the beach and just to have uh, do the things that we all do. And Joe and Linda used to come. And Joe um, was a, a, a soup, always been a super guy. But who Joe is now is very different spiritually than the Joe I knew then. Huh, Joe? And the Holy Spirit has done incredible things and with all of his losses has given him joy. So if you want to see a model of that, he's right there. All you got to do is look at him because the, the Lord has done that in Joe's life and we see it. So you guys, every one of you, every one of us will go through a time where you will lose your joy. I guarantee that's going to, if it hasn't happened, it's coming. I always say to bike riders, there's only two type of bike riders, those who've been hit by cars and those who are going to get hit by cars. Um, and, and they don't like to hear that. Uh, but I'm a bike rider. I mean, that's just the truth of it. Mark can tell you about that. Um, and so for us, if you haven't lost your joy, you're going to have time when you will lose your joy. And you need to know this. The Holy Spirit has the ability to restore any joy you've lost. The Holy Spirit can meet that need. Okay, um, so restores joy. And notice the other one in there. Gives us a willing spirit. Gives us a willing spirit. How many of you guys have ever done something where the Lord asks you to do something and you don't have a very willing spirit about that? Uh, Zach signed up to go and be in the Coast Guard and his very first placement was where, Zach? Portland, Oregon. How excited were you about that, Zach? <laughs> okay, and now where are you? San Diego, and how excited are you about that? Okay, very blessed. Okay, because this is what the Lord does to us. He restores our joy. And we have to, when we're, but here's the hard part. When you're in the middle of losing your joy, you have to know this. It's only a matter of time. If you hang in there, he will restore it. But you have to believe it. Because he's going to restore it. Okay. Um, so now we're looking in Romans 8.2. And this is what it says in Romans 8.2. It says, For the law, of the, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So that's kind of a strange statement. Because it uses this, the law and the spirit together. So that, may, that, that makes it kind of like, well, what is he talking about? He's saying, he's basically saying that for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Okay, 
Uh, that sounds hard, but it's not. It means the law just means a principle that has been put in place. And that principle that's been put in place is setting you free from what you're going to experience in sin and death. Now, my dad is 90, and um, Sue's mom is 96. And at some point, death is going to come, right? Because it comes to us all. But when you're 90 or 96, you realize you're probably a little closer to it than, say, Zach and Maddie. More, more than likely. But even with Zach and Maddie, they're not sure because nobody's promised tomorrow and God's in control of how long they're going to be on this planet. But here's what, what the Holy Spirit sets us free from. It sets you free from the fear of death. We don't have to fear death. Death has no hold on us. I'm not, I'm not afraid to die. I bet you aren't either. I'm not looking forward to the process. But, is, but actual death doesn't frighten me because I know where I'm going. I had a friend, um, who Mark Benedetti, who just um, was a guy who I was fishing on the shore with and I was catching some fish. And he came over saying, how are you catching these fish? And I got a chance to show him. And then I got a chance to sh uh, share the Lord with Mark. And Mark started walking with the Lord. And then about, oh, I don't know, Six months ago, he called me and said he had esophageal cancer. And so we were praying for Mark, and he was doing great. Actually, he was snowboarding, he was fishing, he, was, he was said he was feeling great. And I had called him in March, and I just called his wife the other day because I hadn't heard from him for a while. And she said, uh, Mark died like Mark, March 16th, shortly after I had called him. And he had been doing great. Now, um, and she was celebrating because she said, Mick, I was so happy. It happened so quick. And now I know he's with the father and he's not suffering. Set free from death. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. We don't have to be afraid of dying, do we? The process we might not look forward to. But actual death is just a, for us. The Holy Spirit sets you free from that. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's why the disciples were able to go from where they were. Remember before uh, Jesus was crucified? They were doing things like this, fighting over who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they, were, uh, they were not really getting it, really, until Jesus said, you're going to go to Jerusalem and wait, and there the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and then look at them. They were totally changed. Not afraid of dying. And they did. All of them got uh, and killed in terrible ways. Doubting Thomas, who we might look at and go, oh, well, he doubted Jesus. You know, he had to put his fingers in his hands. Yeah, well, doubting Thomas shared more of the gospel than probably around the world than almost any of the other disciples. And then they killed him. He wouldn't stop sharing, so they stuffed him into a log and cut him in half while he was in the log. I mean, that's how he died. And he died praying and giving thanks to God as they were sawing him in half. So um, they were changed, and they were no longer afraid of death because what had happened, at, when they went into Jerusalem, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were no longer 
afraid of death. Okay, so I only have time for one more. The other one is in Romans 8.15, and this is what it says. For you have not received a spirit of slavery. We have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So what is the Holy Spirit doing there? It's doing this for you. It's reassuring you and confirming to you that you are children of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When people say to you, do you know that you are a believer? What do we have to say to them? Oh, I, I think I am? Is that what we say? No, we, we say, I know, I know that I'm God's child. And the Holy Spirit confirms that truth to us. We are children of God. And because of that, we get to live without fearing what this world has. And you know what? So we don't have to get caught up in all of the politics of, oh, isn't this terrible? Gas prices are at seven bucks you know, a gallon or... You know, we've lost 20% of our 401k or whatever it is. We don't have to buy into all of that. All of that may be true. But the truth are, we are his children. And that means to us, he's got it in his hand. He is in control and he has it, even when it feels like he's not. Right? Okay, so let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you. Uh, that you gave us your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we will uh, see the function of what the Holy Spirit does in our life and that we will continually invite you in and let your Holy Spirit be active and alive in us. We thank you, Lord, for your gift. It was an amazing gift. In your name we pray, amen. Father's Day, uh, Father's Grab a roll of duck.